Since yesterday, we are investigating a number of other individuals. Tonight, more cases identified. Now, why thousands in BC may have been exposed to COVID-19. Plus... Protests around the province calling for justice for a woman dragged by an RCMP officer. And... No bubble is airtight. Uh, leaks happen. And with the NHL restart announced, why not all Canucks will be finishing the season? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. Surrey RCMP are issuing a warning to women about a robbery and sexual assault near a local SkyTrain station. Jordan Armstrong joins us with the details. Jordan. Colleen, it happened just before 11 last night. A woman was attacked near King George SkyTrain station. RCMP say the victim was walking under the expo line towards Fraser Highway when a man approached her with a weapon, robbed her of her belongings, pulled her into the bushes, and sexually assaulted her. He ran away and the woman called for help. She was taken to hospital. Her physical injuries are said to be minor. Well, first and foremost, we're gonna be looking after the um, care of the person who was the victim of this crime. And then we're also making it our top priority to locate and identify our suspect. But as the investigation advances, as we have more information, we'll look to see if it matches any other um, assaults or any other incidents that we've had in the city. I'm not aware of any other incidents that have taken place recently in our city matching um, a similar description. The suspect is a white man, 30 to 40 years old. He's about 5 foot 10 and his face was partially covered by a red and blue bandana. At the time of the attack, he was wearing all black clothing. Now, the suspect, uh, RCMP, are also appealing to drivers in that area last night. If you were near King George Skytrain Station at 1045 Friday evening and have dash cam footage, investigators want to hear from you. Colleen? Jordan, thank you. And more breaking news tonight about COVID-19 exposures in the Okanagan. Interior Health says it has now identified new cases on top of eight announced yesterday. And we now have more details about where and when those exposures may have taken place. Kristen Robinson has more. On Canada Day, crowds filled downtown Kelowna and the waterfront. Health officials narrowing down the exposure after more than eight people tested positive for COVID-19 between June 25th and July 6th. A number of other new cases have been confirmed to us. Interior Health urging anyone who attended private gatherings at the Discovery Bay Resort from July 1st to 5th or the Boyce Gyro Beach Lodge on Canada Day to self-isolate and monitor themselves for symptoms. These uh, were house parties and private uh, gatherings. However, individuals that were sick were here in Kelowna while they were sick and they have visited uh, public spaces. But anybody, anywhere, uh, really could have been exposed. Wow, that's kind of scary. I think the phase four will be quite a ways from now. Hell yeah, it's, it's definitely very concerning for sure. Anyone who was at the parties or visited these tourist areas during the 12-day period is advised to get tested if they develop symptoms. I think we're a bit caught off guard by what happened in the Okanagan for sure. No individual businesses or staff have been identified as having COVID-19 cases in Kelowna, but restaurants are taking contact tracing seriously. Reopening protocol includes collecting the name and phone number for one member of every party. 
think it's pretty consistent. I think this is a, this is another warning shot, though, to make sure that we're even more consistent. If you don't get asked for your number, then just re- just give them a little bit of a nudge at the restaurant. And just say, look, you know, I'd like to leave my number, my name, just in the event of. It's sort of a two-way street, and um, and that way we're in this together. Businesses are doing their part with their safety plans, and now it's up to individuals who come here, BC residents who know the rules. People coming from other provinces need to learn the rules that we have here and comply with them. As a vacation destination, Kelowna faces a heightened risk in phase three. At least six of the current COVID-19 cases are people from outside the region. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A terrifying incident today at a popular tourist spot near Chilliwack. A child fell off the waterfall at Bridal Vale's Provincial Park just after 3 o'clock. Despite the meter's high drop, the child survived. First responders rushed to the scene and were able to perform first aid. The child was transported to hospital in stable condition and is expected to recover. Homicide investigators are looking into a fatal shooting in Abbotsford last night. Just before 8 o'clock, police were called to the 2700 block of Lucerne Crescent after shots were fired. Police say a man in his 40s died at the scene. Investigators are spending the weekend canvassing the area, asking for video and to speak with witnesses. The RCMP's integrated homicide investigation team is taking over the case. Several rallies were held across B.C. this afternoon, calling for justice in a case of alleged police abuse. Last January in Kelowna, surveillance video captured a young woman being dragged by an RCMP officer. The police had been called to do a wellness check. As Paul Johnson reports, today that woman and her supporters kept the pressure on the RCMP, calling for major reforms. We cannot act as judge, jury and executioner. Another demonstration calling for reform of police doctrine and tactics. This one, though, triggered by an incident that happened here in B.C. I believe it's really important to speak out after these issues have occurred. Mona Wang is the alleged victim in this case a nursing student who had an apparent mental health crisis in January in Kelowna. The RCMP were called in to do a welfare check on her, and this surveillance video appears to show treatment of her not likely consistent with what most would expect in a wellness check. Wang and her supporters say it was police brutality that left her battered and bruised. It's kind of lit this fire under me, like now knowing how often this happens, I just want reform to be done. She's not alone. In addition to this demonstration at the Vancouver Art Gallery, other protests happened Saturday in Kelowna and in front of the RCMP headquarters in Surrey. The Mounties told Global News Saturday they were aware of the demonstrations and respect their right to protest. Wang and her supporters are calling for two things. First, the firing of Constable Lacey Browning, who's been taken off the beat but is still getting paid while the investigation happens. The protesters say if this video doesn't show someone unfit for duty, then what does? Second, they want reform of the practice of police welfare checks, where a mental health professional would accompany police on calls like this. Uh, I do believe that there are other professions that could definitely handle this issue better. Um, People with more training who have the skill and knowledge. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. A fatal crash in Richmond earlier this morning also had some other dangerous consequences. Just after 6.30 this morning, a semi-truck collided with a Corvette near Nelson and Blundell roads, sending the car slamming into a gas pipeline structure on the side of the road. 
The driver of the Corvette died at the scene. No name has been released. The truck driver was shaken but otherwise not hurt. The collision caused a gas leak and businesses in the area were evacuated as a precaution. RCMP say traffic along Nelson has been closed while they comb the scene and while repairs are completed. A man has been charged in connection with the discovery of a homeless man's body in Kamloops late last year. 51-year-old Shane Brownlee was arrested Friday and charged with one count of interfering with and offering an indignity to a body. 66-year-old David Boltswood's body was discovered last November wrapped in a rug near a dumpster in an alley. While Boltswood's death was initially considered suspicious, police do not believe he was murdered. Investigators now say Boltswood had been staying in a nearby apartment with another man. The war of words over the transition to a municipal police force in Surrey is heating up again. But this time it centers upon the closure of city facilities, including rinks and recreation centers. One councillor says the shutdown is COVID-19 related, but another claims it's designed to save money to pay for the huge police transition bill. Nadia Stewart has more. Closed community centres in Surrey are at the centre of a debate between councillors. People are very concerned that they can't uh, come to the rec centres and enjoy them and to the aquatic centres. The city of Surrey has begun opening up some outdoor pools, but community centres remain closed. And councillor Linda Annis says there's a correlation between their closure and Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum's $129 million plan to switch from the RCMP to a local police force. We have a budget deficit of approximately $42 million and it needs to be made up before year end. Part of the strategy was to keep these buildings closed, but I would like to point out the one thing that hasn't been paused is our police transition and it's full steam ahead at the expense of opening these wrecks and ice arenas and aquatic centres. She also blames the delay of opening a long-awaited facility in Clayton Heights on the mayor's focus on police spending. This is absolutely unfortunate. The residents of Clayton have been waiting for this for a long, long time. It's absolute nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Doesn't make any sense at all. But Councillor Lori Guerra says Annis's allegations are baseless. As chair of the Parks, Recreation and Culture Committee, she says the facilities closed in March due to the pandemic adding staff are working on a safe reopening plan that is in no way affected by the money allocated for the police transition. The city of Surrey has done extremely well in our financial responsibility when it came to the COVID. And, and yes, we have a budgetary shortfall, um, but we will meet that at the end of the day. As for Clayton Heights, Guerra says the facility is, quote, not even close to being finished. She says staff are working on a plan to reopen facilities, but it's not clear exactly when residents can expect these buildings to open up. Nadia Sir, Global News. Richmond RCMP are asking for the public's help to track down a serial arsonist. Early Friday morning, police say a citizen put out a bushfire at, a, at the edge of Blundell Park near Blundell Elementary School. Evidence suggests it was intentionally set. Since January, there have been 15 similar fires, all sparked south of Granville Avenue and north of Williams Road in Richmond. Hedges, garbage bins, and construction site porta-potties have been burned between 11 at night and 6 in the morning. RCMP have stepped up patrols, but so far the arsonist has eluded them. It's the news hockey fans have been waiting months for. The NHL season will resume three weeks from now with Edmonton and Toronto playing host as hub cities. But as Sarah McDonald reports, a number of players, including a Vancouver Canuck, have already said they won't be returning to the ice.
score! Canada's game is coming home. Welcome to the ice! The National Hockey League returning to the rink exclusively in two Canadian cities after a deal to return to play was ratified on Friday. For the good of our constituents and the good of the game and for the good of our fans, we needed to work together. Training camps begin as early as Monday, which is also the deadline for players to opt out of the quest for the Stanley Cup in the midst of a global pandemic. Canucks veteran forward Sven Berchi, already among those sidelining himself. The decision made public on Saturday. Berchi among a handful of players simply not risking contracting COVID. No bubble is airtight. Uh, leaks happen. What are the longer term uh, side effects or consequences to that individual? Um, and now we're talking about many, many people within that bubble. The stakes were also too high for provincial health officials. Under no circumstances was I going to uh, compromise in any way the health of uh, people here in British Columbia, and we made that very clear. Once a frontrunner, Vancouver was ruled out as a hub city last month. Edmonton and Toronto tapped to host the playoffs instead. Basically, you're going to have healthy lineups. I think the guys will be energized. Um, you know, certainly the fan component will be strange for everyone. That's because they won't be watching any games from the stands, with players and staff largely confined to hotels and facing off in empty arenas, undergoing daily COVID-19 testing. Hopefully we'll be able to stream them at work so we can keep up with uh, all the good stuff happening. As a hockey fan, I, I've definitely missed hockey and uh, can't wait for it to come back. He just rips it towards the net. Good. And fans won't have to wait much longer with the first round of games in a very unconventional season set to hit the ice August 1st. Sarah McDonald, Global News. People living in Old Fort are no longer shut out of their Peace Region town after a slow-moving landslide closed the only access road last month. Once slide movement was stabilized, crews were able to start building a temporary access road for residents at Old Fort Road, which is also attracting deer. Construction is continuing on the gravel road. The road was closed to all but emergency vehicles in late June when about 50 homes in Old Fort south of Fort St. John were put on evacuation alert. The slide area about one kilometer from town remains unsafe. A reminder for drivers to watch out for wildlife. An elk calf was rescued near Cranbrook. The BC Conservation Service says officers found the animal dehydrated and emaciated on Thursday. Its mother is believed to have been struck and killed on the road. The calf was taken to a wildlife rehab center in Golden, where it is recovering. Conservation officers in Terrace captured and released a Kermode or spirit bear earlier this week. The rare white bear, who was been roaming the Callum Valley north of Terrace for years was moved deep into the wilderness in the hopes that it will stay out of residential areas. Kermode bears are only found in the Great Bear Rainforest on BC's north and central coast. A tragic end to the desperate search in Quebec for two little girls, sisters, who were the subject of an amber alert. Police found the bodies of one girl, then the other a short time later in a wooded area about 40 kilometers southwest of Quebec City. They are believed to be six-year-old Rami and 11-year-old Noah Carpentier. Police have tried to cordon off the area in hopes of finding their father, 44-year-old Martin Carpentier. The three had been missing since Wednesday night. The girls' bodies were found about 25 kilometers from where they disappeared. Quebec's premier has called their deaths a national tragedy.
Toronto police say a six-month-old baby girl and a four-year-old boy are both expected to recover after being stabbed. Investigators say they were called to the scene of an apartment building this morning where they found the injured children. They were rushed to hospital with serious injuries. One of the children underwent surgery today. They're both now in stable condition. Their 36-year-old mother has been arrested. A Calgary law firm has filed a class action lawsuit against Cargill in connection with a COVID-19 outbreak that was once the largest in North America. The lawsuit was filed Friday against the company with the beef processing plant near High River. It states that Cargill ought to have known the lack of protective measures would not only affect their own employees, but those close to them as well. According to Guardian Law, the plaintiffs in the case in the class action are people who had close contact with the employees, but does not include employees themselves because they are covered by labor and workers' compensation laws. Your responsibility as an employer doesn't stop at the doors of your factory. Um, so, uh, what we're doing is our action, uh, is on behalf of all those other people, friends and families and, and people who are in close contact with Cargill employees who got sick as a result of them failing to take the proper precautions. The allegations have not been proven in court and the lawsuit still needs to be approved by a judge. A spokesperson for Cargill said the company did not have comment on the lawsuit at this time. The facility shut down for two weeks in April because of the outbreak that affected 350 staff members. Today marks the 30th anniversary of the beginning of the Oka crisis. In the spring of 1990, Mohawks erected a barricade in a wooded area called the Pines, protesting the proposed expansion of a golf course by the town of Oka onto ancestral native lands. On July 11th, provincial police moved in to break up the blockade. A firefight ensued and 31-year-old Corporal Marcel LeMay was killed. A 78-day standoff between Mohawks, the police and the Canadian Army began. This anniversary of the Oka crisis looked different than past commemorations. Instead of going through Oka on foot because of the pandemic, demonstrators stayed in their cars. And even though the golf course development was eventually cancelled and the land, the land, however, has never been clearly resolved. A ceremony was held in Bosnia-Herzegovina today to mark the 25th anniversary of the Srebrenica genocide. Thousands of Muslim men and boys were killed by Serb forces on this day in 1995, near the end of Bosnia's war. Thousands of survivors normally take part in this service, but because of the pandemic, only a small number attended. The Toronto Raptors are marking a very, making a very strong statement with their new team bus. Have a look. The Raptors revealed their new ride on their Twitter page, emboldened with the words Black Lives Matter, tweeting, silence is not an option. Player Fred Van Vliet spoke with Global News about the thought behind it. Just realizing where things are. I mean, this is not a new issue, but um, I think there's been some light shed on some problems that, you know, some of us have had to deal with our whole lives. The Raptors are finishing the remainder of the NBA season at the Disney World campus in Orlando, Florida. A group of Seattle teens recording TikTok videos on a beach last month found a suitcase containing human remains. Police say inside were bags with the bodies of two people. It's been determined that 35-year-old Jessica Lewis and her 27-year-old boyfriend, Austin Wenner, had been shot to death on June 10th. Their remains were found nine days later. Lewis's aunt says her niece leaves behind four children. 
family members are trying to raise money to get witnesses to come forward. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi calls it an act of staggering corruption, and now a prominent Republican is publicly criticizing President Donald Trump's decision to commute Roger Stone's prison sentence. Senator Mitt Romney tweeted, the situation is unprecedented historic corruption. The comments come less than a day after Stone, a longtime friend and political advisor to Trump, received his reprieve from the White House. Stone was set to serve a 40-month sentence for lying to Congress, obstructing its investigation and witness tampering. Last fall, a jury found Stone supplied lawmakers with false statements during the Russia investigation. After a four-month lockdown, Florida's Walt Disney World has reopened. While arrivals were steady, capacity is well below what it would normally be this time of year. The reopening comes as a huge surge of Floridians have tested positive for COVID-19 in recent weeks. Disney's new rules include mandatory masks and social distancing. Visitors will need to make reservations to enter the park, and they won't be allowed to hop between the parks. Both visitors and employees will receive temperature checks when they enter. A major source of revenue, many Floridians are happy to see the gates open. I like uh, the idea of, of Disney opening, and, and I mean, it offers a lot of time and vacation and offers the state a lot of revenue, you know. Still no reopening date for California's Disneyland. State authorities canceled the planned reopening on July 17th to help control the surging number of cases. In adult Disneyland, several bars in Las Vegas are closing for a second time as Nevada tries to manage a spike in COVID cases. A return to their phase one means bars that don't sell food will have to close. Owners and staff are frustrated over the economic impact this is having on the hospitality industry, but Nevada recorded more than 1,000 new cases of COVID-19 on Friday alone. A California man is finally going home after spending 110 days in hospital fighting COVID-19. 66-year-old Tom Butts spent more than half his stay on a ventilator. Two days after he was admitted to the ICU, doctors didn't think he was going to make it through the night. But he fought hard, and doctors are crediting the triathlete's impressive physical condition with giving his body the stamina it needed to survive. Wow. In Health Matters tonight, new research on COVID-19 patients shows some new confounding results. Patients can experience delirium, brain inflammation, stroke, and nerve damage. The study in the journal Brain finds neurological disorders are the main and first symptoms of the coronavirus for some patients, and that some don't have severe respiratory symptoms. Experts say more study is needed to figure out why some people develop these neurological complications. I'm like really nervous about this one. Can you click it? <laughs> the click that would change one student's life. We are going to show that to you and what it took to get them there right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, quite a treat for stargazers these days. Yeah, eyes to the sky. Some British Columbians are getting photos of a recently discovered comet. This is Neowise in darkened skies over Abbotsford at around 3 o'clock this morning. So you had to get up early. Experts say this comet that is coming from outside of our solar system, making it a once-in-a-lifetime event. It'll be its closest to Earth on around July 22nd. Mark that in your calendar. Before slingshotting out of our solar system to see Neowise, you'll want to get up before dawn and look to the northeast sky. 
Very cool. All right. Keep that in the calendar, July 22nd. Okay, we have seen a fair bit of cloud cover today. We started off the weekend with some wet weather. A big improvement is on the way in the return for some sunshine. And in the long range, we are going to see temperatures on the rise. Here's a quick glance at what it looks like overlooking English Bay. It's been cool today. We're sitting at 16 degrees right now. Still seeing some light showers out of the airport and an easterly wind at 17 kilometers per hour. A few of the numbers today, so bumping up to 17 out of the airport, we typically get closer to 20 or 22 degrees, so it was a touch on the cool side. The interior, they're warming up for areas near Soyuz, up to 31 degrees, and Prince George across the central interior, up to 15 degrees. Here's the shower activity. Still, still remain light for this evening. As we approach the midnight hour, it should taper off, and we are going to see a nice clearing on the way. We do still have some active weather for a few spots across the central interior, tracking some thunderstorms, and then towards the northeastern corners and the southeastern corners, and we've got still one more active day for all areas across the interior and I'll show you the timeline. So here's what we are watching late this evening and overnight. It is going to break up. The precipitation will taper off. We do have some cloud cover for the morning and then it's partly cloudy for tomorrow. It'll be a much drier and brighter day but it's towards the afternoon with some daytime heating. The instability picks up for all areas across the interior, northeastern corners, central and southern half that we are looking at the risk of thunderstorms. So a heads up with very windy conditions. The potential is there to see the winds ramp up with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. A look ahead towards Monday, though, a nice break across the province. We are going to see some sunshine in the mix. Overnight tonight, with a partly cloudy sky, we're down to 12 degrees. Tomorrow morning, pleasant at 15, and then a mainly sunny sky with highs up to 21 for tomorrow. A quick update on the flood concern. We've still got the flood warning for the Middle Fraser River and the Quinell River. All areas in orange still included within a flood watch. Now, the northern half of the province will see breaks along the coast. Inland for Terrace could still see a few isolated showers hours. Risk of thunderstorms, so it stretches in towards the northeastern corner, central, southern interior, Columbia and Kootenai, all included within that, and it's towards the afternoon and early evening tomorrow. It'll be cooler across the interior. Prince George is getting up to 8 degrees. We'll see that drop in temperatures from much of the tops in Okanagan with highs just close to 20 degrees. A Soyuz tomorrow up to 21. Whistler, Squamish included within that instability, so mainly cloudy, a chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorms for Sunday, and then most areas across the south coast and breaks with the exception of the northern tip of Vancouver Island with a chance of showers. Victoria tomorrow, some bright spots, temperatures with some sunshine. We'll get up to 21 degrees. It's our long-range forecast. It's looking pretty good, Colleen. It's just on Monday morning we may see more cloud cover but still remaining dry. Then a clearing is on the way. Pleasant for tomorrow and Tuesday, Wednesday, sunny with highs up to 22. Almost spring-like. Yes, we're getting there, slowly but surely. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, nobody succeeds alone, and that was never more true than in the case of a young man from Maryland who's had his eye on the prize for some time now. But would hard work and support be enough to make his dream come true? You're about to find out. I'm, like, really nervous about this one. Can you click it? No. Can you? No, sir. One click of a button. That's all that stands between Rahan Staten and finding out if he got into Harvard Law. But before we find out where he's going, so much of his journey is about where he's been. Going through like pretty extreme poverty. Uh, like there were times where I just couldn't eat. Rahan grew up in Bowie. He says his mom left when he was eight, so his dad raised him and his brother as a single parent, working three jobs. But still, money was tight, so Rahan got a job as a sanitation worker. When you're out on the street and you see a dumpster that looks really bad, 
I'm the guy who's going to make it look very good. And the co-worker standing next to him, that's his older brother, Reggie. When Rahan got into college, Reggie dropped out so he could go. And the thing about my brother, like he literally picked a profession where people would look down on him so that others could look up to me. And he knew that. While in school at the University of Maryland, Rahan still went to work hauling trash before class. Sometimes there wasn't time for a shower. But he managed to get through it, even gave the commencement speech at graduation. And as Turks, we are champions because we pick each other up. And now, after years of hard work and applying to law school, it's all come down to the click of a button. His cousin and brother by his side. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm clicking it. Congratulations! And now that he knows where he's going, Rahan says That's he'll never forget where he's been. The only reason why I made it to where I'm at is because people helped me out of the kindness of their heart. You didn't give the disclaimer that we need Kleenex. I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, and by the way, a mentor has sent up a go, set up a GoFundMe page to pay for his tuition, which is building. Uh, and he plans to give back by offering others free LSAT tutoring. That's the test that you have to take to get into law school. Great. Love that. Love that. Good story. Yeah, yeah. Barry? Uh, well, <laughs> yes, I can't beat that. My, uh, it's not any. I have no tear-jerking uh, news. But uh, of course, the NHL training camps open Monday. Players can opt out, as we saw in Sarah's story, up until questions asked, whatever reason, if they feel uncomfortable. She mentioned Sven Berchi, but who wouldn't, really wouldn't have been a significant factor anyway. But a key player for the Flames has decided not to play. We'll tell you about that. And not exactly a banner day for uh, our Canadian golfers on the PGA Tour. They've been so good this year, started this tournament so well, but uh, kind of faded today. Tom Hanks recently described mask wearing as doing your part to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Dr. Bonnie Henry has recommended them and has even modeled the behavior. But the question remains... Why do some people who could wear a mask refuse? As Global's Camille Karamali reports, it turns out fear and confusion may be behind it. But well, you're not going to tell us to do what we don't want to do. With masks becoming mandatory in indoor public spaces, we're seeing more and more you're, you're I feel of this. A man berating a Costco employee in Florida and another refusing to put on a mask inside a Costco in Colorado. And I'm not doing it because I woke up in a free country. But the anti-mask movement hitting Ontario stores too. Go back to China where you came from. Peel police are investigating after this man yelled racist slurs at an Asian supermarket in Mississauga. But you're making me wear a mask. This Toronto hospital declined to treat this woman for a sprained finger after she refused to wear a mask. They're telling me that if I don't wear a mask, they're not going to uh, assist me. Clinical psychologist Taslim Alani Virji says emotions are running hot during the COVID-19 pandemic and people's ability to think rationally can be affected. And when we think that we can control things, it becomes really hard for us to adapt when things happen that are out of our control. There's also a feeling people's freedom to make their own decisions is being violated. You get these really rigid stances that happen. So people who may, an, under other circumstances, decide that it's okay for them to wear a mask here or there, have now firmly grounded their feet and said they will never wear a mask. 
and that there's some confusing information around masks, especially since they were not deemed essential in the earlier stages of the pandemic and haven't been enforced in larger gatherings, such as protests. So they're not sure if the experts are telling them to do things or not to do things uh, because it's in our best interest or because one particular group or another one is getting preferential treatment, whereas they feel that they are not getting that same type of respect. Now the onus falls on store workers to play the role of bouncer or security guard, something they're not trained for. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union told Global News our union has been advocating for a security presence at stores to ensure proper protocols like mask wearing and physical distancing are upheld. But no security presence at many stores yet, leaving store staff at the front lines of these face mask feuds. Camille Karamoli, Global News. Even the Space Needle in Seattle is getting behind the mask message. A mask up flag was unfurled from the top of the landmark. Wearing a mask or face covering is a statewide rule right now. With COVID cases still surging, last week Governor Jay Inslee mandated face coverings be worn in all businesses, granting owners the right not to serve anyone without one. Barry's here with sports and uh, I have a funny feeling there are a lot of very excited NHL fans right now. Yes, hockey is in the air. You can feel it. Uh, yeah, training camp's opening up uh, right away. Thanks, Colleen. The, uh, when the Canucks open up training camp Monday at Rogers Arena, they will do it without Sven Berchi, the veteran forward has opted out of the playoffs. The players have until Monday to do so. Truth be told, Berchi would not have played any of the games unless there were a rash of injuries. He only played six games in the NHL this year, the rest in the minors. The Canucks have replaced Berchi with Cole Lind. Calgary's Travis Hamannick, though, is a top-four defenseman, and he has opted out along with Edmonton's Mike Green as they've opted out for personal reasons. So games start in just three weeks from today with the eight play-in series. And then technically the, the playoffs start around August 11th. The play-in series are best of five. After that, they're all best of seven, just like a usual Stanley Cup playoff. One point in the discussions with the players uh, on the return the play committee, we talked about uh, having the first two rounds of the playoffs after the qualifier to be best of five so that we could shorten the period of time that the players would be in the bubble and away from home. And it was the players who said, no, we wanted best of seven because when the Stanley Cup champion is ultimately crowned, we want it to be because it was on the same basis as the other Stanley Cups have been over modern time and that to me was impressive because the integrity of the return to play system was paramount in everybody's mind. Second round was completed. Third round of the Workday Charity Open from Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. Merritt's Roger Sloan had the best day of the five Canadians who made the cut. Two under 70, including this birdie. Roger is tied 29th at five under. He needs a big payday to give his season a boost. Norway's Victor Hovland, a great young player, just 22. He's only been a pro for 13 months, already has a win in contention this week. Great approach at 17, led to a birdie. He's in second place at 14 under. Justin Thomas was the story today. Sixth hole from 148 yards out. And a lot of players struggled today with the wind and the rough. The rough is the factor. If you are not on the fairways, you can make some bogeys. Thomas, though, made birdie there to get to 12 under. And then at 14, 
10-footer here for birdie, which goes down. Thomas, amazingly bogey-free through 54 holes, and that's a great result at Muirfield Village. Thomas leads at 16-under. Second-round leader, Colin Morikawa of the U.S., was just even par today, but finishes strong with this birdie at 18. He is in third place, three back at 13-under. So Thomas has the lead. There's the Canadian contention, or contingent, rather. Not a very good day as uh, Mackenzie Hughes leads the way. Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin, both four over par today. Taylor was 10-under in this tournament midway through the second round, but has lost eight shots since. But it is his first event back. We expect him to be a bit rusty. COVID-19 forced the cancellation of the entire McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada, back in May. That wiped out three BC events in Victoria, Vancouver, and Kelowna. But now the tour is returning with a four-event Canada Life Series for Canadian-based pros only. Two events at Bear Mountain in Victoria, two in Toronto. It may not seem like much, but for so many pro golfers who don't have status on the big tours, it is a big deal. Any Canadian player or Canadian-based player that has held status on any of the international tours uh, under the PGA Tour umbrella will have status on this tour, or in this series, sorry. Um, so that accounts for guys like Eugene Wong, who's been playing in China, which many of your viewers will be familiar with. Um, Jared Dutois is another uh, person. Riley Wielden, James Allenby. These are sort of the BC contingent. contingent. Uh, a player like John McClodick, who won a Vancouver Golf Tour event. I think he beat Nick Taylor by one shot a couple of weeks ago, which is pretty cool for him. Uh, so players like that will have eligibility and they'll be exempt. And then we'll fill the field come first serve basis. So, you know, there could be some players that were are not necessarily on our radar that get into the event and, and play well. And ultimately, they'll have an opportunity to earn status on the McKenzie Tour for the 2021 season. MLS return to play tournament from Orlando, Atlanta taking on New York Red Bulls. They had a 45-minute lightning delay, but when they started, New York strike quickly. Florian Velo with the clinical finish here. 1-0 New York. They are just at the half right now. Toronto FC plays its first game tomorrow, 6 a.m. our time. Whitecaps will play their opener Wednesday night versus San Jose. English Premiership, Sheffield United and Chelsea. Sheffield still with an outside chance to get into fifth, but would need to run the table. Played inspired soccer today. David McGoldrick gets them off to the good start. Cashes in the rebound to make it 1-0. And then Sheffield add another 15 minutes later. Ole McBurney with the uh, power header here. That made it 2-0 at the half, and they get another to seal the deal in the 77th. It's uh, McGoldrick with one more, his second of the match. Sheffield win 3-0, moved to within four points of fifth place, Man United. Premier League champs Liverpool at home to Burnley. Liverpool seeking perfection at home, going for 18 straight. They led late until Jay Rodriguez equalized for Burnley. It ended in a one-all draw, so Liverpool's perfect record at home comes to an end with the draw today. IndyCar, first of two races this weekend from Road America in Wisconsin. Late in the race, Connor Daly and Pato Award come together, and Daly goes hard into the wall. His race day is over, kind of banged up his shoulder. New Zealand's Scott Dixon did it again. He has won all three Indy races this season since the restart of the season. Takes the checkered flag at Road America. They'll have another race in Wisconsin tomorrow. Barry and Yvonne are back. Time now for our nightly thank you to our BC healthcare heroes. Yvonne.
Tonight we are honoring a mother-daughter duo. Joanne Van Sickle and her daughter Emma Van Sickle are both emergency room nurses at Nanaimo Regional Hospital. They have been working long hours and have helped their teams and patients tirelessly throughout the pandemic. Thank you, Joanne, Emma, and your team in Nanaimo. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few pictures to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. Love it. All right, uh, we've got a... A different kind of a hero story now. <laughs> a Victoria cat that disappeared 18 months ago is back with his family. And if he could talk, the story he would tell. Who is that? Blue? It's Blue. This is the moment Blue was reunited with the Owens family and seven-year-old Hayden. Blue was discovered on the grounds of the Point Ellis House Museum on July 2nd. That's about 17 kilometers away from home. See, he hadn't been spotted since December of, get this, 2018. It took about four hours and a few traps and some motion sensor cameras, but Blue was scooped up the next day with the help of the nonprofit organization Rome, which specializes in reuniting lost animals with their owners. Blue had lost a few pounds, but is making up for it now with unlimited treats and cuddles as he gets used to his new surroundings once again. By a year, I was convinced that we'd never see him again. Half excited and surprised and really shocked. We literally went into hid in another room and we're like jumping up and down just so excited because I knew it was him. It was the best day ever. Is Blue an indoor cat now? <clears throat> now he is. <laughs> um, Barry, you're a cat owner. That's right. They always come back for the food. I know that. That's what our cat does. <laughs> yeah, sure always an, back. An indoor cat or an outdoor cat? Uh, he's kind of a little bit of both. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And, and I apologize. No one owns a cat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no one they're owns a cat. They're fiercely independent, and yes. they'll let you know. But as long as you buy them food, they're... No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. That is the news hour for tonight. Jordan is here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great night.